Today we are going to look at the dark backdrop that will cause our leading lady, Esther, to shine. As we do, consider the dark backdrops of your own story and understand it is the trials of life that cause us to come forth as stars. Even if it feels like that darkness will destroy us, Join us today on Storming the Gates for such a time as this. Welcome back to Storming the Gates, where we will be continuing our series on the book of Esther for such a time as this. And I'm so happy you're here to enjoy the study with me. The story of Esther is one that continually inspires me to be a woman of prayer and to trust in God's power even when I feel powerless. In our last episode, we talked about becoming a star. Queen Vashti has been removed, and the king is about to begin his own reality series by gathering all the most beautiful women of the entire kingdom and choosing his favorite to receive the final rose. Before the king chooses the new star of his kingdom, however, let's ask ourselves, when do the stars come out? They're always there. But when do we see stars? And of course, I'm talking about the stars up in the sky. (laughs) Well, it's only against the deepest darkness of night that a star's shine is visible. Esther was not born into wealth and fame. She was, however, born into a family with a member named Mordecai. And the two have survived a period of destruction and death back in their native land. Let's take a look at the backdrop to Esther's story, which we're going to find in Esther 2, verses 5 through 7. And there it says, Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, son of Shammai, son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So we see here that Mordecai was taken captive during the siege on Jerusalem many years before. Israel had sinned and forsook the law of God to worship other idols. God warned his people continually, and you can read those warnings throughout the books of Ezekiel and Jeremiah. But finally, God allows the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem to be overthrown. Most of the Jewish people are slain by the sword, disease, and starvation. A few surrender themselves to the Babylonian king, and a few are captured and carried away during three separate deportations. The first deportation involved the elite. Daniel, incidentally, was taken captive during this first deportation. And that took place about a hundred years before King Ahasuerus's queen hunt. The second de- deportation was what we may call the middle class. And the third deportation was the poorest and most common of all. It is unknown which siege was the one during which Mordecai and Esther were taken. Many speculate the second Perhaps it's because they seem like good old-fashioned, hard-working, middle-class folk, and they're definitely too young to be part of the first. I wonder, because I think even the second siege would make Mordecai very, very old during this story. So I think perhaps they were among the most poor and common of the land. 
and they were taken in that final siege. You know why? Because God loves to choose the poor, the needy, and the forgotten ones, and then he empowers them to do great things for his kingdom, and that brings glory to his name. James 2 verse 5 says, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? In fact, God chose for his own son to be so impoverished he was born in a manger with a Jewish couple as his parents. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Now to further grasp the time period during which the book of Esther unfolds, Daniel who likely served in Babylon while Mordecai was raising Hadassah, is now enjoying his heavenly reward. King Cyrus has issued a decree allowing the Jews to return and rebuild, and a small, brave group has returned to build the temple and the wall back in the homeland. For some reason, Mordecai stayed behind with his cousin, and perhaps it's for her that he stays. And the Messiah is yet 500 so- 500 years away from his birth in a manger. And it is here in Esther chapter 2 that our leading lady has entered the stage. But as we will see, the star has emerged from a dark place. And the book of Esther is really about two stars. One was carried away captive into a foreign land, and one was orphaned as a young girl. And these two found each other and created a unique family unit. My husband and I recently watched a few episodes of the Star Wars cable series, The Mandalorian. You can find it on Disney+. Plus. I find myself thinking of that Mandalorian as I read these verses. In The Mandalorian, he's portrayed as a man whose mother and father were, were killed during some intergalactic battle. You know how Star Wars is. And he rescues a very odd-looking but interesting and extremely cute baby Yoda. He does not know why, but suddenly he is feeling the need to protect this little creature. It is clear his own loss and pain connects with this helpless being, and he desires to rescue and protect him in a fatherly way. And yet, as it turns out, the little one is going to become his protector. Well, it's no secret that our father is also moved by our tragedies. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. I do not know what tragedies or difficulties you have experienced, or maybe experiencing even right now, but I know that you have some, because we live in a fallen planet, in a fallen world, full of disease, sadness, death. And here's what I also know. I know that the Father sees you, and he sees your pain even better than you see it. He looks on you with great compassion. His desire is that you will be whole and healed once again. The greatest tragedy in my life was one I brought on myself, much like Israel brought this exile and pain on their own nation as they first compromised and later abandoned their heritage as God's chosen people. That's why I wrote a book called I Am Israel, because I see myself in Israel's historical past, because I was called, I was chosen, and yet I fell and I was exiled. Honestly, it's humiliating even to mention. For a long time, my world seemed incredibly dark. 
I was estranged from my own children and the church my husband and I planted, and we planted with many tears and prayers. Well, I have nothing to boast about except God saw the raggedy disaster of myself and had pity on me, not because I deserved it, simply because that is who he is. And I was just reading Isaiah 49 and marveling at the grace of God. Let me share it with you. And as I do, I want you to think of your own tragedies and difficulties, and I want you to picture this man, Mordecai and Esther, and how they were once lost and exiled and alone. All right, let's look at Isaiah 49, verse 19. It says, though you were ruined and made desolate and your land laid waste, now you will be too small for your people, and those who devoured you will be far away. The children born during your bereavement will yet say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. Then you will say in your heart, who bore me these? I was bereaved and barren. I was exiled and rejected. Who brought these up? I was left all alone. But these, where have they come from? So here Isaiah has a picture of Israel after its time of captivity, looking back and realizing that out of darkness and aloneness, while in exile and in captivity, God was still with them. They were few in number, but God brought them children. He restored and renewed them and made them great once again. Well, I doubt Mordecai saw himself on the pages of history as he navigated the difficult years of raising this little cousin who also had lost everything. He took her in as a good man would and raised her as his own. That could not have been easy. Can you imagine? I picture him as a single father. He works all day and he comes home to dishes and laundry. He has to learn to braid her hair and he plays make-believe. He has to get babysitters and relies on his community around him as he struggles to put food on the table, get her to dance lessons and birthday parties. He tells her stories at night and tucks her in falling onto his own bed exhausted, and yet it's worth it to see her beautiful smile and hear her adorable giggle. Mordecai was taken captive as a youngster, but now he is no longer alone. God brought him a light and a purpose. Her name is Hadassah, and guess what? Hadassah means star. She is the light in his dark world. He now has purpose and a reason to keep fighting to survive and thrive in this foreign land. Many of you are familiar with the verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Did you know that Jeremiah was used by God to speak those words to Mordecai? Yes. <laughs> Jeremiah was specifically speaking, actually, to those Jews who were captive in Babylon. He told them he had a plan for their life at a time when death and destruction were all around them. There were times in my own exile I wondered if the emptiness would ever be filled again. And many Jews, including uh, Mordecai, may have wondered the same thing. They mourned and grieved for homes and for humans they would never see again. Psalm 137 records their thoughts when it says, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. 
How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? But now, Mordecai, he sees his cousin growing into a beautiful and gracious young woman. He raised her well. He likely assumes she'll find a good man to marry and he'll live out his days in Babylon, holding little grandbabes on his lap. Despite the losses, God has been good. God fulfilled the promises he proclaimed through Jeremiah. And just when Mordecai is ready to take his harp down from the willow and play a new song, out of nowhere, officers come riding up and without fanfare claim Mordecai's Hadassah as their own. With a quick embrace and one last look at her flawless face, Mordecai watches as Esther disappears in the cloud of dust the king's horsemen kick up as they gallop off, and Mordecai is alone again. It's in the dark times we wonder where God is, in the silence of a dusty road that's painfully empty. Mordecai does not know his Hadassah was actually handpicked by God for such a time as this. He doesn't know she'll be used where she is to save the entire nation. In the darkness, nothing makes sense. But when life makes no sense, don't focus on what you can't understand, only what you do. Lay back in the Father's arms and trust him, no matter the pain and no matter the loss. If God brought Mordecai this far, he will be with him now. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he loves you. And that is something we do know. God still has a plan. He has a marvelous plan. Things may seem grim in your life right now. And if they don't seem grim, there will certainly come a time when you feel like God has forsaken you on a dusty road in a faraway land. And that is the time, my friend, for your light to rise in the darkness. Cry if you must. But let your cry come to God, and when the tears are spent in the silence, he will speak, and you will know the best is yet to come. Lord, we cry to you. We mourn the losses. We repent over the hurt we caused others, and we hand to you what we cannot understand. We leave the unanswered questions in your safe keeping until the time we see your face and it will all be revealed. And meanwhile, we make a choice to trust the one who sent his only son, who was born poor and born in obscurity, when Rome world ruled the world with an iron fist, and into that dark time the morning star was rising. In our own dark times, Lord, you will rise. Each night is followed by a glorious sunrise. Thank you that we can trust your word that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. You hold us in the palm of your hand, and every hair on our head is numbered. We love you, and we trust you. Amen. Thank you again for joining me here at Storming the Gates, and I look forward to being with you um, as we continue our series for such a time as this.